this is the Blood and Platelets podcast, Tales of Transplant Survivors with Brandon, Alex, and Chrissy. We are genetically modified humans who have come together to tell real stories, real emotions, real experiences, to fill a void for patients, encourage, give hope, and inspire those going through treatment and beyond. All right. Are we on? <clears throat> yep. We are back. We're live. From downtown LA. What's up? This wonderful apartment. It is. <sighs> Thank you. Thank you, guys. It's a beautiful know, day in the summertime. People watching to the, the tree. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. So today, <clears throat> we're going to talk about terms. Words, terminology. Oh, your microphone. Um, definitions, medical jargon that we're all very familiar with, and maybe some of our listeners are not as familiar, and um, it can help clear up any kind of confusion or um, questions. I, I know that I had a long introduction to all of these terms because I got diagnosed young but then sort of had a good 10-year span of just learning everything Mm -hmm. and immersing and asking questions and I think that people definitely um, one of the things that I never shied away from (coughs) was asking questions like wait what does that mean Mm -hmm. Um, I think sometimes people get a little deer in the headlights that's why one one tip was always said to me that I think is absolutely very important um, is it's very helpful to bring someone else, another set of ears with you um, to appointments because sometimes you do get deer in the headlights as the patient and it's hard to know what things are. So I had a lot of people also asking in my appointments, what does that mean? What does that stand for? What are you talking about? Yeah, that's, um, that's a good... <clears throat> Um, <clears throat> tip. Yeah, it's just. Yeah, because you can't retain everything. Yeah. Or you might hear something that you're interpreting that maybe wasn't really reality. Because right, your mind's like racing <laughs> yeah. when you go into these appointments. Right, right. So, for purposes of today, we're going to be doctors and nurses and teachers. Yes, yes. But, <laughs> but disclaimer, <laughs> we, we are not doctors. We do not have medical degrees. Right. None of us. Our only expertise is lies in the fact that we have all been patients. Um, experience. Experience. And what we're speaking from Personal is, experience. Yeah, it's from our experience. And yes. Every patient is different. Right. You should always consult with your doctor. Yes. And always clear any kind of confusion with a medical person yes <laughs> yeah. very much so yes when, when i first got sick my um my family doctor told me or advised me before he handed me off to the oncologist uh specialist in cancer um to write all the medications and all the terminology and all this stuff down and um and i was so i was so scared like i didn't do none of that i didn't so, either yeah yeah but you had way more time to 
gathered down this information. Like I primarily just learned all the immediate basic stuff. Like, and this is all like you know seventh grade biology stuff that yeah. I never knew. I mean, I, I made a but you made had a, a crash course in it, right? And then I became yeah. very familiar with right. You know, white blood cells, red blood cells, platelets, exactly the basics. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, and what yes. they do, and then chemo, and then. Yeah. different names of chemo and types of chemo and mm-hmm. then yeah, yeah. And, then it, and then it stems off from there like there's so many different um terminologies and uh and, and verbiage that they use in the, in the hospital right in the hospital world in the cancer world mm-hmm. uh, it's just a whole it's almost like a whole another language it is another know? language yeah. yeah medical language is another language yeah and for yeah. me i'm i'm being reintroduced to a lot of these terms um yeah. I remember hearing a lot of them while I was in the hospital. <clears throat> but like how we were just chatting about, and we were talking about like a bone marrow biopsy or... Right. I didn't know how they actually extracted it. So knowing that, right. now I feel even worse that my mom went... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, yeah, you, we, yeah, it's interesting how the three of us experienced all of this because we all came at it in very different ways. I mean, Brandon, you were a kid. Mm-hmm. So you know you know the terms you've heard them maybe you haven't thought of them in a long time or um, you haven't you didn't quite know exactly what it was but you, like right. you, you, it's registering because mm-hmm. you've heard it. Mm-hmm. I had a long time to just I mean talk about don't go on WebMD you know <laughs> like I did a lot of that. That's what Alex did. <laughs> yeah, but I had you know at City of Hope they give you actually a a binder. A, a bone marrow transplant preparation binder, oh. which I read through. Like, I read through when I first got diagnosed, and then kind of put it away because it was too overwhelming, and I knew it wasn't going to happen for a while. Um, and then, right before transplant, I read through it again and like really studied it. I I, I don't know if it was. I think it was good that I did because I felt it gave me whether it was a false sense of preparedness. It gave me sort of a feel of like, oh, okay, I know what this is, and you know, I'm reminding myself. And then Alex, you had to like not only emotionally deal with everything in a very short time span, but you had to also learn everything in a very short time span. It was like one day that yeah. same, <laughs> the day they told yeah. me I was uh, diagnosed uh, that I had cancer was the day it all started. So that's uh, probably how most people. <laughs> I feel like that's how probably a lot of people receive the information, right? I mean, it's sort of one day. I mean, yeah. So you learn as you go. Yeah. So, <laughs> did you do anything that first day? Like, do you remember doing anything specific? Like, did you go home and Google, you know, AML? I remember you Googled like the red dots. Yeah, I, I Googled the symptoms as, yeah. as I was experiencing symptoms, but I never Googled. Um, like leukemia, like specifically, leukemia yeah, or yeah, or that kind of stuff at first. Because when mm-hmm. I first, when the day I got diagnosed, you just have it's too overwhelming. Right. You're you're looking at all the the initial lab results and they're right. explaining to you how you have cancer, right. and how they have to admit you immediately and put a pick line in you right away and mm-hmm. do a biopsy that same day, mm-hmm. like and then chemo the next day, like. 
you don't really have time to process. And then you're Nothing thinking, yeah, you're thinking about like, should I get a second opinion or right. um, are, are they like, is this some kind of conspiracy? Like, you know, all these kind of <laughs> yeah. ideas, crazy, crazy ideas. And yeah. you're, you're, you know, I, at least I didn't have time to go, go Google this stuff. Like oh I, I had, I just believe it. I don't think there was Google when I was diagnosed. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, I don't find an encyclopedia. Yeah. Right? It's so, they didn't have that. It's so, that's yeah. so crazy. That's really You didn't even get to, to take any pictures when you were I know. In the no, there's, there's no, no proof. There's no, no, yeah, there's yeah. no yeah. proof. Did you really go through this? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, interesting. Well, petechiae, for those who are listening, um, petechiae is a condition or a symptom of a lot of blood cancers where... Um, you red get dots. these red dots on your skin, and it's it's really blood vessels breaking. Breaking, um, right. Mm-hmm. And that shows up on your skin. So it's little little pin dots of red on your skin. Um, like I would get it if if I if I scratched my arm, not hard, just scratched it like I had an itch. All of a sudden, I'd have a whole breakout. Because you're of, breaking the capillaries. Because uh, I'm breaking it, yeah. and my platelets were so low, mm-hmm. you know. So. Um, that's what petechiae is. Yeah, um, I, I remember I was uh, bumping a volleyball around with my my friend's kids. Yeah, um, like I you know, a month too. a month before in I was diagnosed, arms. and my arm was just completely Bruised. covered in dark red dots, like heavy, heavy. Yeah. Did you yeah. <laughs> Did you start with bruises? I did first. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because I had bruises on my knee, like, and I don't know how they got there. Right. I don't remember banging my knee. Yeah. Um, they were just huge. Yeah. I mean, I did have a basketball tournament like a week or two before, like all my symptoms started to show up. Um, but yeah, there were huge bruises. And then the petechiae came after that. Oh, I had like yeah. a fever and then the petechiae. Huh. And then we just thought that it was some kind of rash. Yeah. Because that's what it looks like. It kind of looks like a rash. Yeah. It's not raised though. Right. Mine was yeah. never raised. Right. No, it was never raised. Yeah. And it wasn't all over my body. It was no. just on my so arm at first. Concentrated area sometimes. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Well, and you're you were 13, so could it you, like you don't think immediately. Right. No, you I don't think, think you think at all. No. Yeah. yeah I guess. Yeah. You're right. I don't. Whenever. Although mine, <coughs> because I was not like in sports. I mean, I was 25. You know, when it was really severe the bruising and my brother was the one who was like that's not normal you know so like there was the sort of like something's wrong because you shouldn't have bruises like I mean they were covering my body covering no that's a yeah Yeah. so I think what as opposed to if I was 13 it's like well you're playing you're running you could be you know yeah I just I just played in a basketball tournament right right you know yeah yeah just bump knees and just not realize well, okay, so what if, here's my thoughts for those listeners and people wanting to get more information on how, how we broke it down. I feel like, what do you guys think was the easiest things to understand first? And then we can get into like more complicated terminology. So for me, I would say blood cells. Like what, mm-hmm. what, are, yeah. what is that? Yeah. So, so, Do you guys want to talk? About, I'll ask. I'll be the te- I'll be um, the questioner person, <laughs> and you guys can answer. So Alex and I were both diagnosed with AML, acute myeloid, right? Yep. Um, so acute refers to symptoms happening quickly and they worsen quickly. Yes. Um, but over time, it kind of 
slows down. So ours, our cancer, our leukemia, was pretty aggressive mm -hmm. when we were first diagnosed or when we first found out you know, our symptoms. Mm -hmm. um, so when I went into the hospital, I, they didn't say like acute myeloid, whatever. They just said that you have some funky white cells that are taking over your body. Right. Did they say yeah. immature? Immature. Immature yep. was a big and word. Yeah. What, what did you guys know at the time what white cells did for your body? No, I didn't. Okay. I Do just knew that blood cells, red blood cells, pretty much. You Oxygen. Right. Blood cells to live. Right. Pretty much. Yeah. So whites are your infection fighters. Mm-hmm. For the most part. They're your defenders. They're your they're defenders. They're fighters. And, and if you have a seriously elevated number of them, and there are ranges, so for people who are wondering, like, well, how do you know? Obviously, it's a simple blood test, and it's called a CBC, which is a complete blood count. Mm -hmm. And it tests your white cells, your blood, your red cells, your hemoglobin, your platelets, along with a bunch of others, but those are the kind of the four main lines. Um, and each line, each cell line has a range, a normal range. And so if you are outside that range, that's when doctors are looking at, like, yeah. what's going on here. To give an example, Alex, what was your... Uh, the normal white blood cell count range uh, is six to 10,000, and I was at 217,000 yeah. when I was diagnosed. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that's... Uh, <clears throat> That's red flag that, yeah, yeah. That. that that's pretty much doctors will know immediately that it's some form of leukemia yeah mm -hmm. um yep. especially with elevated white cells in that kind of range um do you remember what you do you the remember counts. what your counts were because mm -mm. it, it was so long ago yeah i wish I bet I, your mom would we'll get your mom to yeah i gotta ask her. my mom i know yeah. she has like a box of things For that sure. she kept i, gotta I guarantee her. you you were somewhere like where Alex was. I'm high. sure it was very yeah. high, very yeah. high. So with my disease, myelodysplastic syndrome, and Milo, you'll hear Milo a lot, because Milo is actually means blood. Um, I found that out as one of my doctors. And um, so myelodysplastic is, is basically bone marrow failure. So all of my cell lines were very low. Because they weren't being produced. Because it wasn't getting produced, mm. or it was all immature cells. They weren't formed, fully formed, before they were getting released out into my body. And so, like, my red cells, which red is oxygen carriers, my hemoglobin, which is, I actually, it, it's, it's correlated to your red cells. It's a protein, but it carries oxygen as well. Um, and then my whites were all very low along with my platelets. My platelets were the lowest because I was, and that was explaining why I was bruising so badly, which I'm sure you guys had low plate, platelets yeah. with the bruising. Yeah. Um, normal range is, you know, I think for platelets, it's between 150 to 400,000, I think. And mine at, Time of transplant. Oh, at time of diagnosis, mine was in it was at thirty thousand. At time of diagnosis or at time of transplant, my platelets were at eleven thousand. Oh wow. wow! So what you risk at that point is um, spontaneous hemorrhaging, like you could bleed your you could bleed on your brain. Very you dangerous. Know, yes. Very dangerous. Like you could knock your head 
gently against the wall and have a massive. No, I, I actually, mm. I actually have um, met people who had family um, who had cases of exactly that blood hemorrhaging from yeah. this type of blood disorder, and by the time they went to the hospital, it was too late. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it can be very dangerous. Yes, so. Yes. That's what people, that's what doctors are really looking at is the, the ranges, the normal ranges versus what your actual CBC looks like. So platelets are your um, blood clotters. Blood clotters, yeah, they help. Um, they help clot blood. And that's why they gather when you have a bruise, that's a bunch of platelets gathering together to stop the bleeding. Um, white cells we covered, red cells we covered, hemoglobin we covered. So those are, those are terms that People will hear a lot when the basic. dealing with any kind of blood cancer. Mm -hmm. um, we also have something that I got I did not know about, but until transplant. But one of the things that seemed to sort of take over was neutrophils. Did you guys remember talking about neutrophils? You definitely. But do you remember hearing the term? I think neutrophil? I remember hearing about it. It wasn't talked about a lot. So neutrophil is kind of like the so the way I understood it. Hemoglobin to red to red cells is like neutrophil to white cells, and neutrophil is as well an, your infection fighter. Mm -hmm. um, and they talk about your ANC, which is I remember that. Yeah, mm -hmm. your augmented neutrophil. Mm -hmm. um, I can't remember what the C stands for. I'll look it up. But do you want to look it up? Google yeah. ANC. Um, but that's the level at which you have to get to. There's a certain level you have to get to before you can actually absolute neutrophil, absolute count. neutrophil count. So um, that count is what they're looking at after you have your transplant in order to see if your donor cells are taking, taking. Uh -huh. and if your bone marrow is producing enough immune immunity right to protect you to go outside of your room essentially yeah and i think i could be wrong but i think i remember getting boost shots yes. of that yes to help boost they give the you neutrophil system. shots yeah well i think it's called neupogen yep is that the one they give you through your stomach i don't remember where i got mine oh actually i remember getting neupogen but I it getting makes you kind of achy <laughs> Um, because it's a it it forces production of yeah I remember after my transplant getting those boosts my joints would hurt yeah it was like growing pains almost yeah they would hurt so bad yeah so that that's that's something that I think most people who deal with uh, blood cancers they're gonna start hearing that um, term a lot especially if you go through treatment of of any kind of transplant. Um, so that was that was a new definition to me. I didn't understand what that meant. Um, what about? Okay, so do you guys? Oh, here's one that you guys can talk about. So bone marrow biopsy versus spinal oh, taps. Mm -hmm. So Alex, you should describe bone marrow biopsy, and then Brandon, you can describe spinal tap. Spinal tap. Okay. Yeah. They're two different things, people. Yep. Yeah. Uh, bone marrow biopsy. Brandon, Brandon's never had one, right? I, no. I, I bet you did. Uh, he's not sure. Not, he doesn't remember. That's okay. I would have remembered. The way you guys were describing that, I would yeah. that. That's true. That's for true. sure. Yeah. But uh, bone marrow biopsy is basically um, where they need to 
um, go into your your big bone, which is I forget what the big bone in your leg is, but the, the upper the femur, um, the yeah. hip bone, yeah. and then they go in there, and you have a lot of uh, stem cells and marrow that's um, stored in the middle of this bone, and this is where your stem cells are, with the you know the cells, the production cells, the stem cells that produce the white blood cells, the red blood cells, and the platelets, and and all the other cells. So um, when you have a blood cancer, a certain type of blood cancer, um, like I did, uh, acute myeloid, leukemia, Brandon, um, it's, the, it's the stem cells that are <coughs> producing these cancer cells. And then that's where the cancer is identified. So they need to do these bone marrow biopsies to go into your big bone to draw out you know, the blood that's produced by these stem cells and they can identify um, the cancer, basically. Right. And they can analyze it, test it, and see what's going on yep. in the actual marrow. Yep, but that, you know, this, this marrow, this, uh, this biopsy process um, where they draw the blood from, that's basically where all of the blood in your body is produced. Yes. Like millions and millions of new cells every yeah. single day. And how the process works is they... They go from the backside of your hip uh, right at your lower back and, you know, your, your hip. And then they take like this, this long needle that's kind of shaped like a straw um, mm -hmm. because they need, to, they need to have it hollow because they penetrate through, let's just say, the, the first layer of your bone. They penetrate through it and then get into the middle where all the, the blood or the juices and then they, they suck out the blood basically um, and then in the process they also carve out a piece of the bone um, mm -hmm. which they need to bring back to the laboratory and, yeah, and test, and test uh, along with the blood and mm -hmm. that's basically what an aspiration is a bone marrow aspiration or a bone marrow biopsy and for me we had to do this like every every month or every month and a half because they just needed to continue because I was getting chemo at the same time every every month so after every chemo, they would have to go back, either before or after the chemo, they would have to go back into my marrow to test the blood to see if the cancer is there. Right, because uh, what it'll tell doctors mostly is the amount of cancer right. they that need is a, in there. The objective was to see if I was still in remission. Correct. So remission, for those of you that don't know, is um, a state of where your cancer is less than 5% yeah. of your of your blood cells and everybody every single human carries a certain percentage of cancer yes. cells in their body but it, it you know it's normal it doesn't affect your body adversely and it doesn't mean you're gonna absolutely get cancer no it has no no inclination no. of that but There's if it goes above that percent that's where the bone marrow biopsy comes in to tell them how much above that percentage it yes. is is it six percent is it 25 percent right is it whatever so right. The, that's the, a very key distinction of why why you need an actual bone marrow biopsy. Yep, yep. For blood cancers. Yes, yes. Yeah. To make sure you're in remission, and if you're not in remission, then you need to take action right, right away. Right. So then, the question I always got at drives, like registry drives to register bone marrow donors, is oh, so you have to have a bone marrow biopsy. Is that the same thing as a spinal tap? No, it is not. No. So just from blood tests, you can tell if the mm -hmm. cancer cells have spread anywhere. 
So for me, they had to do a spinal tap, or it's also called a lumbar puncture. Yes. Um, and this is where it's similar to a bone marrow biopsy, um, but this is where they take fluid. So they enter. So for me, I had to. The process was I had to um, kind of curl up in fetal position, and the doctor insert a needle. Um, in my back and they had to puncture the area that's surrounding the spine in the lower lower vertebrae area right? in the lower vertebrae area yeah. yeah in between the in between the vertebrae is where the needle goes in right so if you can picture into the vertebrae the... there's like a little hole that's pretty much where they had to insert the needle um, and it taps into the to... canal the spinal canal right the and fluid. then they had to um, uh, take out spinal fluid. It's also called cerebral, well, cerebral spinal fluid, which right. is a clear, like a clear fluid. It's right? just clear, yep. and then um, those samples will tell you if it's spread to my spinal fluid or if it's spreading right. to like anywhere else in my body. Right. So that was done for me right away because they wanted to know if the cancer had spread because it was acute, so it was aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and luckily, it didn't spread anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the spinal tap um, or the lumbar puncture tests to see if it spreads to the, spread to the brain. The brain, yeah. That was what they were testing for. That's right. the reason they did gave yeah. me the lumbar puncture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I had to get that done once every three months, maybe two months. Oh, well, you had, you had multiple. Yeah, it was pretty frequent, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, especially oh. in the first maybe quarter of like treatment I was going in quite often wow yeah, I think that's probably just to make sure it it's did, not it's going not, anywhere it's a else. precautionary yeah, 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 yeah. especially precautionary, when you're dealing yeah. with acute yeah, yeah yeah leukemia yeah yeah I didn't have any of that because I didn't have my MDS had not turned into leukemia so there was no chance of <clears throat> it spreading right it was already all over my body only because myelodysplastic syndrome is just literally your blood production so but there was no cancer cells that mm-hmm. were spreading to my body, so mm-hmm. I didn't have any of that. Um, okay, so those are some of the first things that we dealt with, right? You know, counts. You know, a lot of times people will say, well, what's your counts like? And that's really those ranges of normalcy that you're getting compared to. Um, and then symptomatic stuff like petechiae, that's what we talked about. And then getting diagnosed all involved as well as um, I guess throughout treatment you're getting various either spinal taps and bone marrow biopsies or aspirations or one or the other Um, typically if it's leukemia you're getting both Um, if it's some other kind of blood disorder you may only get one I only had bone marrow biopsies Um, but then So let's talk about when we actually got into transplant and things that we heard there that were kind of new. Like for me, um, ports was something I had never dealt with before because I didn't have any treatment before the transplant. that's right, yeah. What's a port? So a port, (laughs) well, well, Mr. Tung, um, a port is a device that's inserted into your into a vein 
and is where the, the, the doctors and nurses administer medication, transfusions. <clears throat> and this is so you don't have to get poked, poked every over single time. Over and over again. Yeah, trying so to find you, a vein. Yeah, so you get a vein, and, and a lot of times if you get poked over and over again, um, your veins will collapse um, just from exhaustion. Like I had that happen at one point, you know, and early on when I was getting, I don't know how many blood tests done a week. So a port um, gets in, inserted, and, and there's people that have other kinds of cancers, I think, that have ports because if they're receiving chemotherapy. Ports um, and pick lines. Pick lines. So I, I didn't know there were different kinds. A Hickman. There's a Hickman, and then there's a pick line. There's probably even more that we, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. There's a pick line. But I know the difference. Yeah, okay. so a pick line is in your arm. Okay. It's in your bicep. Bicep, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And there's, there's, a, they, there's an artery. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They go in through um, a little, uh, very small incision, but then they just sort of. It's like a catheter. Your arm. It's a catheter. Yeah. It's a catheter exactly. that leads from the artery in your Into in your, your arm to right by right your by heart. Right by your heart. Mm -hmm. So that your main. The main blood. Main source of blood pumping. Will, will pump then the, put everything, whatever it is, whatever it is, mm -hmm. is, is it's transfusion body, yeah. or or chemo or the medication. Blood. Yep. And then the Hickman goes in your chest. Right. And it's right by the heart. That's right. Right by I the heart. Oh. And what I had learned in the City of Hope, um, I guess, Bone Marrow 101 um, class we did, um, the Hickmans, they're, they're moving away from those more often now because it sounds like infection yeah, yeah. you get more infections that. with hickman's as you do with pick lines now of course whatever your doctor is gonna recommend is what you should do but that is something that they were mentioning is it can happen you know it can happen with any of these lines um, mm -hmm. obviously you have an open hole in your body um but the pick lines and the Hickmans are, are seemingly the two most common devices that people get. Yeah, I remember I had a uh, Hickman. You had it in your chest. Yeah, but it was weird. So I think they found a vein in my neck. Yeah, your neck. It can go through your neck, actually, Yeah, too. so it started in my neck, came all the way down, and then out right near my armpit. Oh, interesting. Like right, I saw the scar from both, I think, where the... Uh -huh. Inserted it and then where it came out, uh -huh. and yeah, yeah, it was, it was funky. Yeah, <laughs> what, they're weird. It was a in, uh, an entry point and an exit point. Yeah, so I How think they that? connected it in a vein in my neck somewhere. I, I feel like I had heard that some people had yeah lines inserted inserted into a, a neck vein. Mm -hmm. That's where mine was, and then it came out like the the tubes came out right. Where my armpit. Maybe because you were so small. I mean, and that might have been the only be, option too back then. Yeah, well, and, and yeah, it could have been the only way they did it. But a lot, the guy who did my pick line was telling me that the size of the veins obviously determines where they where can go be. in. That because sense, yeah. my right side is actually, I can never give blood from my right arm, never. Because the veins are just. The veins are just really small. <laughs> And it's not like I have like lopsided circulation, but it's just the way it is. So I told him, I said, I look, I only give blood on my left arm. So he went in through my left arm, but he said, and they use like a, a, um, a, a, what do you call it? Ultrasound. They use an ultrasound to see oh. where the veins are. At least they oh, do now. Nice. So they can see, and you can watch it on the monitor. 
while they're doing it. Um, it is like all, the size and the blood flow or just like the size? You can of the see vein. the size of the vein. And so he was looking, at, you know, it's like, like what, when pregnant women get their ultrasound, right? It's mm-hmm. that jelly and then they're mm-hmm. looking around. And so he, w- he was showing me on the screen. He's like, okay, see that sort of squiggle? Um, he's like, that's, that's the vein we're going to go in. Oh, interesting. And then they kind of just fish it through. That was technology beyond. It's your, crazy. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it's got to <laughs> be so different now. Yeah. Yeah. You got like a Polaroid. <laughs> yeah. There it is. Yeah. There it is. We're going to go right in there. Somewhere around like, there. Just, we think there's a vein that we're just going to go We're going to feel it around. It. You're going to be put under so you won't even yeah, feel it. Yeah, don't worry about it. If we yeah. mess up, they, they just he'll be asleep. Yeah. <laughs> go to sleep. Yeah. yeah, see, we, I wasn't asleep when we, they did mine. Oh, yeah, they put me So out. I was super nervous. <laughs> I kept asking everyone. I was like, "Does it hurt? Does it hurt? Does it hurt?" Yeah, so scary. It's so scary because you're like, you've, you've never had it input, you know. Do you yeah. do you remember how long you had the port inside your body for? Yeah, um, I had it, obviously throughout transplant, and then they had to keep it in for, I think, a month or two after transplant, uh-huh. just in case something happened. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I remember going in and then outpatient. Yeah, just got you it, have yours. Just yeah. got it taken out. Well, and you're going so frequently that they don't want to keep poking you afterwards. Right. So it's like easy right. to just be able to do blood draws yeah. from the. Did yeah. you have to get it uh, cleaned and um, uh, the gauze changed every week? Gauze changed. Yeah, I mean, I was able just to clean it myself. They just gave me that um, that red. Got the, the cleaning solution stuff where you they just kind of you? just wow. just wiped around like the opening. Did they give it to you? No, I had to no, go we in. Had to go to in. Get it cleaned oh, really? Every week. Oh, yeah. I mean, like they scrub it. Yeah. Oh, they, no, they didn't. It's intense. They, no, they just gave me and everything. It's yeah, they crazy. just gave me like this. It was like a big Q tip with like this red. Huh. Um, Brandon, it's amazing that you're alive. <laughs> <laughs> this was in 18, what? Or 19. <laughs> <laughs> 1800. Yeah. I, like, uh, I can't believe they sent you home with it. Oh my god! Yeah. And a thirteen-year-old. And like, yeah, my mom would put, they would, we would clean it, and then they gave us like this clear, yeah, stuff to like with keep bandage. it in place. Yeah. Yeah, we had to like. Because you can't get it wet. Fold it. Yeah, we had to fold it so it wouldn't, like, uh, snag, which happened a few times. Right? They like did it come in and like, like push it in more oh. yeah that that part sucks i mean it just it sounds horrible this stuff doesn't actually hurt like at least for me i did not have any pain i mean it had i had a discomfort it was discomfort when it first got inserted because yeah. it's like an it's open wound weird. it's a it's psychological just, then pain. it is psychological then i didn't feel it after that yeah. and I but got when you very have it it's so useful because they don't have to poke you just no, come it's in so they nice draw the blood i know i'm like, like here you, you just, go you just lay there yeah yeah so easy yeah but no, we got our um, our bandage, and we get changed every Gosh, week. Yep. And they'd have like a clear um, band aid, mm-hmm. basically a big patch uh-huh. that would like go over the whole thing right. because to keep it from any infection. Uh-huh. But she'd scrub it, like take everything off, oh. and then so then the pick line's just hanging out of your arm, and then literally she'd like scrub your I arm. I know they definitely didn't scrub it because that thing got funky oh, <laughs> oh my god oh, maybe because it was so close to, like my arm maybe it was just my arm that's, that's crazy <laughs> yeah yeah tassels i cannot believe yeah. you're alive yeah yeah <laughs> how uh, long did you have your uh port 
poured in for? You had a pick, right? I had a pick. Um, P-I-C-C. And that's uh-huh. like P-I-C-C. under the skin, right? So they still have to poke your skin. No, 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 no. no. It's out? No, it's out. Oh. Yeah. It's basically okay. when they... There's literally... Just, it's like, it's like an tassels. IV that uh-huh. hangs out and there's two tassels, heads. Like, yeah. Oh, because I know that there's one to where it's still under the skin. So they have to poke it I, to find that's it. That's not a pick. A pick line is always outside. Okay. I mean, well, it, it, there's a part of the pick that is always outside your arm. Uh-huh. And, and it just, it literally looks like an IV uh-huh. uh, that just okay. is permanently there. Or not permanently, semi-permanently. Uh-huh. I had mine for, <clears throat> I had mine for th- three or f- three or four months post-transplant. Yeah. I think I got mine out in like April. And I was so excited to get it out. Because, you know, that means, like, things are going well, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so when they said I could get mine out... Um, it's a good thing. It was great. And I made Mark, like, film the her taking it out. Because yeah. I thought it'd be really dramatic and, like, blood would splurt everywhere. Or like a long worm. And, yeah, like, thing. just, like, blood gushing everywhere. She, she, she removes the dressing and she's like, okay, are you ready? And I'm like, am I going to feel anything? She's like, no. And I said, oh, okay. So she literally, she's, she <laughs> takes it. She goes, okay, on a count of three. And she goes, one, two, three. And she just takes it out. And, I mean, it was, it's a long, yeah. long tube. Uh-huh. Um, very skinny. Uh-huh. Didn't feel anything. And no blood came out. I You're was like, so oh. disappointed. <laughs> and Mark videotaped the whole thing. He was like, wait, that's it? That's it? I was like, that's so like, anticlimactic. It's like pulling a worm out of your nose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. See, I wish I had like a camera. Like I would have told my mom to like videotape Spinal Tap. Yeah. Like all that stuff just to see. Was she like, in the room? Was she able to be there? Uh, I wonder because you were so young. I want to say like the first time she was in there. You were so young, yeah. Yeah, but after the first then they said couple, no. I was like, I don't really need. Yeah. Cause You're like, like, I got this. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Like it wasn't that bad. It wow. didn't really hurt. It was just a weird pressure. The funkiest part was when they actually entered the the spinal, I guess, canal. Like yeah. you felt and heard a pop. That is so weird. Yeah. Yep. But was, is that painful? It wasn't painful. Just it was weird. just weird. It's a weird, weird sensation. and like it just feels like a lot of pressure. Yeah. But not so much like pressure. Pain. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> pressure seems to be something that the medical world talks about. I feel yeah. like whenever I was asked if things would hurt, they'd be like, well, <laughs> you're going to feel pressure. Yes. I'm like, what does that mean? Is that hurt or not? Yeah, is that emotional? <laughs> is that, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I is that physical pain or what? <laughs> I do feel a lot of pressure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right? Interesting, interesting. Okay, so talking about... Okay, so we talked about pick lines, ports, Hickman's. So then one of the other things that I think is confusing for people too or maybe something that is a definition that can be helpful to understand, certainly before treatment, before any kind of transplant, you start hearing a lot of GVH. GVHD, GVH, which basically all stands for graft versus host disease. Mm -hmm. And... um, do you guys want to talk about GVH? You know, before we talk about that, can we just dive in quickly? Basic um, treatment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good just idea. Like, right, right, right. Yeah, like steps of treatment and mm-hmm. okay. Because like for me, 
I only received chemotherapy. Right. Um, so when I was first admitted at CHLA, the next day I was on chemotherapy right away. Do you remember how many days you did? Mm, I don't. Um, yeah, I don't remember how long. I know I had to go through certain amount of rounds. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I just thought it wasn't like a seven-day thing. I had rounds of chemo. Oh, okay. So I was on, you know, the first one was, I think, was aggressive, and then it gradually got less uh -huh. um, intense. Uh-huh. Um, I guess depending on how the, if the blast cells were still there. Right. Um, well, I, from what I understand, especially when you have leukemia, especially acute leukemia, um, you have to go through rounds of chemo to suppress the cancer, mm -hmm. right? Before you mm -hmm. get to a stage where you can actually qualify to have a <coughs> transplant. Right, right. So that's why you and Alex went through rounds of chemo. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and people who, who have AML or, or mm -hmm. ALL or whatever would, would have to get through certain you know, amount of chemo to mm -hmm. get to a position where they're they're deemed qualified for a transplant because you have to be at a certain right. level i believe yeah and i'm sorry for the listeners i don't remember the name of the chemotherapy that i received i just remember it was orange um oh. yeah i remember the the bag coming in it was like bright orange like oh, like gatorade color yeah um, mine was clear yeah oh, maybe i had an orange one i don't think so though yeah okay so you had chemo mm -hmm. Um, you had the spinal taps. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you had some sort of bone marrow aspiration. You had to have had some kind of. I don't. I know you don't remember, do, but yeah. I mean, you must have had. Something. Unless they knocked me out. They might have. For it, but. Or maybe there was a different way to test it, but yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you did chemo, mm -hmm. and then and that prepped you for the transplant. Right. So I had the rounds of chemo when I was first diagnosed, and then I had another aggressive round of chemo right before my transplant. Oh, okay. Because that one had to wipe everything, everything out. out before I right. started my transplant. I think, so that's, that one was, I think that's protocol for yeah, most. Yeah, yeah. Most and that was the only round of chemo where I got sick. Uh huh. When I was first diagnosed, and then that first round of chemo, I was fine. Like people came in and they didn't think I was sick because I was like, didn't feel. I didn't feel anything. Yeah. I was. I still had my appetite, which was weird. I was gaining weight uh -huh. in the hospital during that time, huh. which was weird. Um, yeah, just that round right before transplant was <coughs> harsh. Kicked my ass. Yeah. 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 Did your hair fall out? Oh yeah, I remember when it first started to fall out. I had. Um, some kind of tape that was taping up my my. Hickman, uh -huh. and I was like wrapping it around my hand and like peeling it off, like <laughs> tapping my head and like peeling it off. Yeah, <laughs> so, it was already coming out, so I'm like, oh well, God. I'm just gonna mess around with this now. So, yeah, Aww. so weird. Poor yeah. little bald 13 year old Brandon, and now I'm a bald 33. <laughs> <laughs> it's all come full circle yeah. for you. Yep, well, you should be used to it. Yeah, so. man, <laughs> yeah, no surprise. Um, Alex, you had a different type of intro to transplant right uh, yep i i basically um got diagnosed with the uh aml mm -hmm. and with the high white blood cell count so they had to 
first step was to put me in remission, which is to lower my white blood cell count, lower the, right. to try to put me in remission. Right. So that's why they um, did the first round of induction, induction chemo, which is the first chemo everybody goes through when, you're, when you find out you, you have your cancer, diagnosis. Yeah. And it was a very strong seven-day, seven-night, 24-hour drip. Of this 24 hours? 24 hours. Wow. Seven days, seven nights. Then there was a cytherapy. Um, and that's a pretty hard one. Cytherapy, right? yeah. It was called the 7 plus 1 cytherapy something. I don't know. They like said it's one. You felt pretty crappy. Yeah, they said it's one of the harshest. harshest yeah, uh, I, I remember hearing that, that name. They, yeah. That they give to people because of the severity of it. Right. Um, and uh, is that one called the Red Devil? I don't know. Was it, it was red? It was clear. Oh, but you know the the people that administered the nurses that administered the chemo came in and like the toxic hazmat. 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 Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. To, You're like, you great. Know, that's going yeah, to that be awesome. That would have freaked me out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're like, oh, this is radioactive. Yeah. Like, it's, sweet. It's pretty pretty trippy. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, and then um, I didn't know I needed a bone marrow transplant yet at that time. Oh. They just wanted to put me in remission. Oh, and yeah, I thought yeah. I just, right. you know, I was, I had no idea what a bone marrow biops, uh, bone marrow was at right. that time. Yeah. Um, I just newly learned leukemia, AML, and that's it. White blood cell, red blood cell. Platelets. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, that put me in remission, luckily. And then uh, that's when they identified all the different types of cancer cells um, as far as for leukemia. Mm -hmm. um, and there's tons of different types of leukemic, um, myeloid, uh, immature right. cancer cells that could exist in your body. Um, there are ones that are um, not so aggressive, and then there are ones that are super aggressive. Like, if you don't get rid of it, you're going to die. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. And I had one of those. It was called the FLT3. Oh. And then that's when they um, said, you, you have like a, like a six-month window, and you need to have the uh, bone marrow biopsy, uh, bone marrow transplant in order to get rid of it. Wow. And then, um, yeah, and then that's when, that's when it all started. I, that's when I went to City of Hope. I started at Los Alamitos, where they have that's a right. great... Um, hematology, oncology, oncology department, department. Mm -hmm. um, and shout out to the doctors and nurses there. They were amazing. So you yeah. got your first round of chemo administered <coughs> at Los Alamitos? Yep. Oh, okay. Yep. And then when they said, you know what, you're going to need a transplant, yep. that's when you got sent to the When they found out you had that FLT3, that's when yep. they and sent you to. Is that a chromosome? No, it's, a, it's just a type it's, of... It's a type of immature cell, oh, interesting. cancer cell. Yep. Okay. So... Yeah, and then that's that's how I ended up at a. But then you had, um, in terms of preparation for transplant, you had different than Brandon. You and I had radiation combination. Yeah, with and, chemo. And what you were mentioning earlier, um, you know, I could have had my transplant right away after my induction chemo if I had a match, because um, I just needed to be in remission, and then right. I could have my transplant. But you didn't have a match. I didn't have point. a match. Yeah. So the six month that dragged along before I had my, or seven months before I had my transplant was due to the fact that I didn't have a match. Right. <clears throat> and I was searching. Yeah. And I ended up with the uh, clinical trial. 
right. of the cord blood using a baby's blood, a mm-hmm. uh, baby stem cell, yeah. or stem mm-hmm. cell from a baby to transplant. And it was a close enough match. Right. Um, but what were you asking me? Oh, yeah, and I had radiation. Right. Um, it was six right. rounds of chemo once every month, that, and that was to s- suppress the cancer to keep me in remission. Yes. And then um, when I had my transplant date set, which was January 23rd, um, they prepped me with the, you know, like you said, the chemo before, mm-hmm. which is aggressive yeah. uh, chemotherapy that they administer before your transplant, along with uh, three or four days of total body irradiation, which is the same as ra- getting radiation, but yeah. it's, but it's a, a full body. It's a full body. Yeah, think of it as a full body radiation, except they cover your, I think lungs. they cover your, your lungs, your, your, you know, your vital organs. Um, basically. No, they only covered my lungs. Or I don't know. They gave me this clear plexi thick plexiglass plate to cover like my groin area. Oh, your prostate probably is what they had to cover. I, I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, anyways, yeah. it's total bo- sorry total body irradiation, um, TBI, and uh, and it was like an eight day countdown. Yep. Like an eight day countdown, and then they set like you know chemo this day, chemo this day radiation this day both on this day and then countdown three five four three two one and then transplant. Transplant day. can you talk about the the process of radiation like what it what you get to do while you're going through it and like what it yeah felt like um yeah yeah so, i i posted a video of it on my instagram page so yeah it's give your instagram so people can look at it it's uh it's it's kind oh, of it's hard. Kind of oh, you can look up Alex Tongue. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, um, or hemo hemo hemopoetic. Yeah. Al. <laughs> <laughs> Hematopoetic. There, there you go. It's another. Uh, it's another name for bone marrow transplant. But um. Total body irradiation is is a um, so typically it's twice a day, so you have a morning session and an afternoon session. Depending on your illness, depending on the stage of your illness, the severity, your body, <coughs> everything, that, I, I mean, there's a lot that they look into. They determine the number of minutes every session you have is. Mm-hmm. So, like, I had 13 minutes twice a day. Um, Alex had different amount of minutes. I think you had a little bit, slightly longer than I did. Um, and probably that's because due to the severity of Alex's disease versus mm-hmm. mine. Um, so, and the difference of our diseases. Right. So you go, <clears throat> the, the prep for total body radiation, and there's a lot of people that are, that have cancer, all forms of cancer can be treated with radiation, but there's very targeted radiation. So like breast cancer, mm-hmm. I know a lot of women who have had breast cancer, they've had radiation, but it's highly targeted. Makes so sense. like a laser beam uh-huh. target. Um, same thing with prostate cancer. Or tumors. Or tumors, yep. yes, absolutely. So it can be very, very targeted um, in Specific terms of how of they the administer it. Mm-hmm. The, the type of radiation that Alex and I received is, as we said, total body. So it's literally your, from your head to your toes. So you go, you get fitted prior to your sessions. You get fitted for specifically whatever they need to cover 
so that your those parts of your body does not receive radiation so mm -hmm. like my lungs i had plates i had a, ch a chest x-ray of which they looked at my lungs and then designed a, a metal outplate or a metal shape, mm -hmm. put that in front of me so that when I stood there and you're, you're standing, so you get put in this harness so that you don't move. Mm -hmm. um, you have things you can hold on to. And there are these plexiglass. You're in between these two. In between two, these two, two massive plexiglass. plexiglass kind of like movable walls right oh. but they're clear you can see through them. right and the room there's a a massive machine that a giant like, radiation yeah machine. like if you've seen that if you yeah invisible yeah, radiation raising that shoots radiation at you it's so super loud if you if you think of like an mri exam like uh -huh. a, a machine for mri i mean i'm like talking size noise. size of that uh -huh. and noise of that level uh -huh. um is what this thing is but it's a good 20 feet away from you so you stand there and everyone exits and they turn on the machine and it shoots radiation at you you don't feel anything you don't at the time you don't feel it's not like you're like oh my god i'm getting fried you know like like you don't feel like you don't feel anything there's nothing there's nothing physically that you can feel in the actual process so was it weird at the time like the first time you did it like is it doing well, anything? Well, I kept or? texting Alex. I'm like, what am I supposed to expect? And yeah. he's like, it's really rough. I'm like, oh, my God, okay. But I didn't know. And he was he doing, you know, he was explaining to me. He's like, look, you're just, you're going to feel really tired. and Afterwards. Afterwards. Mm -hmm. And, like, he's like, it doesn't hurt, though. Don't worry. And it doesn't. But the, the physical reaction you have post-session it varies for sure between patients. I felt always incredibly nauseous. I would get really white, sweaty. Um, I'd have to sit down for a while. Like right when they took, when the, the radiology team comes back in and they unhook you from this harness, mm -hmm. um, I, I would feel really weak. And um, you, you sort of have that, like you have the flu, kind of. Yeah. Would you describe it like that? It's kind of like a. It, you it feel just, just totally really crappy. You. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're just getting shot up with. Yeah, and those the the whatever longs your minutes are. I mean, I literally, you know, the first time I went, I was like, oh my god, 13 minutes? That's like nothing. Okay, uh -huh. cool, whatever. It was the longest 13 minutes of my life. But you have to stand there. And, and not, not move. move. Yeah, that's yeah. that would be the And you part. feel very claustrophobic because yes. you're put in between these two plexiglass screens, and it's just it, it's it's more the sensations you have mm -hmm. during and after. It's like you feel claustrophobic, uh -huh. you feel nauseous, you feel sweaty and and uh -huh. flushed, and and then it kind of passes, and then you go and do it again, and then it passes after that. I felt like a fried fish. They had to <laughs> flip you. Yeah, they flip you. Oh, they just like between the glass. So that's one the two side. sessions. Uh -huh. Morning session, you're facing one way. Uh, Second session, afternoon session, you're facing the other yeah. way. Gotcha. So they've got to get your whole body. Right. So when you're done, you're fried. Yeah. Literally. Literally, just Literally fried. fried, yeah. But you don't, but a lot of times, actually, they do say, you know, people feel, um, they get a skin reaction like you've been in the sun. That makes sense, yeah. You know, so sense. like, Alex, you got, you had that skin, you got really dark. I got really dark. Really yeah. dark. <laughs> I did not. I didn't get dark at all. I was hoping. I was like, easily. can I get yeah. tan? Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't have that. Um, 
I threw up a couple times. Um, that, that was actually for me because so my induction chemo was called fludarabine, and it's it's a chemo they give to a lot of cancer patients now. Um, and I was all, I was like asking the doctor, I'm like, so am I gonna feel sick? You know, like am I gonna? She's like, actually, she's like, this is a really tolerable chemo. She's like, there's people that have cancer that get this chemo and they go to work same day. I'm oh like, wow! Oh wow! So I got mine, and it was a long drip, but it wasn't 24 hours. It was, I think we were there from, like, I don't know. It's just slow, because they want to see how you're reacting, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was just, it was uh, at least five hours. Um, And I remember the first night I got home, my three best girlfriends came over to see how I was doing. And I was like, I don't know, I feel fine. They're like, really? I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I feel fine. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't get sick from that. I didn't feel nauseous. Um, I didn't have any loss of appetite. Yeah, I was hoping I was going to get really skinny, and I, <laughs> like, it didn't happen. I think people um, have a preconceived notion totally. of what you, yeah, chemo is. What you see. Well, radiation there there are yes. various now. Mm-hmm. There's so many different kinds. And I didn't know that. I didn't know there were so many different kinds until I actually had there's, to get one. There's even chemo that are just orally Oral. taken Orally, pill, yeah. Pills. Yeah. 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 Or they go in once a week and get like a one hour injection. Injection. Like yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like a micro, like a, almost like a micro dosing. Yeah. Of, yeah. Of chemo. That's like, so, yeah, for so those chronic maintain, ones. Yep. Yeah. So, um, and then I remember, so I did the chemo um, for three days prior. Then I did four days of radiation twice a day. Then I got the transplant, and then they gave me the weekend to see how the donor cells would react to my body. And then they hit me with two more days of a much more intense chemotherapy, Chemo. which I did feel sick. I was throwing up a lot for that. Be, yeah. But it was only two days worth. Mm-hmm. I was lucky I didn't have any kind of pain. Um, but yeah, that was definitely, um, that was like Alex and I had a more similar process, and they do this regimen. Um, I think this is well. I know it started at Johns Hopkins, and then City of Hope is doing it, and they're trying to make it their standard of practice, standard of care. Um, because I'm on, I'm a research patient, patient, so they put me on research so that they could have you know, patients that go through this regimen mm-hmm. to see if it works and works well. And then, you know, that would become sort of the, the norm of how they treat. So, um, but yeah, that was, that was our experience. I wonder why I didn't need radiation. They didn't used to do radiation. Okay. So the, the, the old way of doing transplant, like when I was first diagnosed, mm-hmm. they told me you're gonna have 10 days of high intensity chemo and then you'll get your transplant. So there was no mention of radiation. Mm. So when I went back 10 years later uh-huh. for the actual transplant, they're like, okay, we've changed it since the last time we talked uh, about this. Okay. And now you're going to have radiation. So I had to meet with the radiology team. So it's, it's different. So it wasn't even an option then when well, I was. I think, yeah, I think it was just, uh, I think medicine is always evolving and think, yeah. science and, and, and ways that hospitals treat like again this was a johns hopkins 
protocol mm-hmm. that City of Hope was trying to adopt because they were seeing really good re- results from mm-hmm. it. And so that's where they were introducing the radiation combo with chemo. So I think it was, um, there's a lot of people that went through transplants, you know, five years ago even, Mm -hmm. that didn't have radiation. Uh, Yeah, no, even till this day, I think it's a case by case. Right, yeah. Um, Like the severity of. People who are like older Uh um, may not be able to tolerate Oh, that um, makes sense, yeah. The radiation, mm-hmm. so, the, you know, the doctors have to weigh out the options, mm-hmm. what's better for the patient. The overall um, well-being. So, oh, the overall mm-hmm. well-being. Yeah. So me being, you know, at the age that I was and the health condition that I was, they wanted to give me the full on everything uh-huh. to get rid of, you know, whatever right, was you in were my like body. Because in really good shape and health. Right, and so they would, they would treat me different than, somebody who was in their 70s right who got so that makes sense yeah. a- aml you know mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense so yeah, yeah every patient is different so it's really it, as as common of treatments there are like as the commonalities we all share i mean they really well any good doctor in hospital is really looking at the individual patient right. and figuring out, okay, what is going to be the best for this person? Yep. Mm-hmm. I know what happened with the, my last patient, and that was great for my last patient, but it might not be right. what this patient right. needs. So, so yeah, even though we all have these common things, you know, there's still a lot of highly individualized, um, right. me, you know, treatment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's not just one treatment for no. one person or one no. procedure. Right. It's, it's a different, different for everybody. Yeah. Um, okay, so that we covered kind of process of treatment or start of treatment. Mm-hmm. So then during treatment, um, we could talk about a couple of things that we got to know very well, um, like GVH and engraftment. Mm-hmm. Um, immunosuppression and maybe we can talk about pain management um so like gvh like i said graft versus host is is a term you know you hear a lot um and graft uh is the donor Mm -hmm. cells um typically and versus host which is you you're the host um so it's their way of seeing how donor cells are reacting within your own body and that can how your Accepting those. And how you're accepting it. And engraftment is acceptance of donor cells. Um, but GVHD, <coughs> which is graft-versus-host disease, can kind of come in various forms. Mm-hmm. And do you guys want to talk about your experience with that? Uh, yeah. Uh, for me, I remember um, a lot of discoloration was a big sign of GVHD for me. Uh-huh. Um it was called vitiligo. Oh. It's, for those who don't know, it's like the, we call it the Michael Jackson disease. You know Discoloration how Michael Jackson, of your skin, right? Yeah. <clears throat> but I've he actually induced vitiligo. He took pills to lighten his skin. Okay. Um, but it's pretty much like a... Is it like a lightening? A lightening of oh. your pigmentation. Oh. So I had it, you can kind of see it in like around like my fingers. And then I had it like around my lips. Um, huh. Those were the the main signs of GVHD. 
um, the pigmentation, mm -hmm. discoloration, and oh crap, there was one more that I had. It was stomach, um, skin, eyes. Uh, I had sores. Mouth sores. Yeah, mouth sores yeah. afterwards. Yeah. Um, those were the two main ones that I had. Uh -huh. um, yeah, I remember having to take like this medication where I had to like swish it around my mouth to coat it to mm -hmm. kind of, I guess, maintain the GBH in my mouth. Um, and then they gave me like ointment to put like on my hands and mouth to kind of blend in <coughs> colors. Huh. Um, but other than that, I didn't really have too many complications. Because um, you had a 10 out of 10 match. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is bizarre. Yeah. But it was your mom. <laughs> yeah. We'll get to that in another episode. <laughs> the freak that Brandon is. is super, yeah, we need super a super DNA freak. We need that a yeah, dedicated maybe the next we need, episode. We need to have a medical doctor for that one. <laughs> yeah, maybe the next episode will... <laughs> maybe two episodes. Yeah. We'll, we'll have my mom in. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, ha I didn't, I got very lucky. So they were telling me there's acute GVH and there's chronic GVH. Mm -hmm. And acute is, you know, like we've been saying, acute is aggressive. You know, anything acute is not necessarily a good thing. Um, the acute that they were looking for is basically any rejection, it, you know, fevers, skin rash, sores, um, I had some, I had very mild skin rash in the hospital. Um, I didn't really have I didn't have any fevers, which I was very lucky. Um, and then post, I had stomach issues. So there there can be mm. GVH in the stomach. Um, <coughs> there can be GVH anywhere. I'm I'm learning right now. I have this um, I've got this respiratory issue where. Um, the next appointment I go to, we're going to do a pulmonary test to see if it's like potentially just to rule out if there's GVH of the lungs. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, you know, acute GVH can be very, it can be deadly for a transplant patient in the very beginning because it can be very severe um, and it can be a total rejection. Your body can reject the donors. And then there's chronic, which is sort of like you live with. And I've met a lot of post-transplant patients who have chronic GVH, whether it's various skin rashes, issues, um, stomach, eyes, mm -hmm. um, you know, various things of where basically your immune system is kind of always reacting to the donor. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but I, I've been lucky where I think I've, I've had very minimal um, GVH. I really haven't had much issue. Um, Alex, did you have? Did you have any GVH? Uh, I definitely, definitely had GVH right after my transplant, and um, <clears throat> it it wasn't a. It wasn't like Brandon. I didn't really have any skin issues. It was mostly internal, um, lungs. Uh, kidneys, um, in intestines, stomach. All yeah, that. stomach is pretty common. Yeah, well, your <laughs> stomach is the largest organ in your body. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, now that I think that I did stomach. have it first in my stomach because I would have diarrhea 
a lot. Well, and of that happens, yeah. yeah, and that happens from chemotherapy. Chemotherapy too, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but stomach and skin are the two most common, I think, because mm-hmm. those are the biggest biggest organs organs yeah. in your body. Yeah, no, I, I had a pretty um, pretty clean engraftment, which means uh, the new stem cells from the baby assimilated with my body pretty smoothly. Um, I didn't have too dramatic of a case of GVHD. Um, and uh, it seems like the baby cells um, likes the environment that it's in. Well, um, how could they not? Yeah, I mean, I try to keep it very, very peaceful and <laughs> harmonic Welcoming inside. Welcoming and yeah, nice welcome and yeah. cozy. And uh, yeah, luckily, you know, the there was a little bit of, uh, you know, growing pains inside me with GVH, but um, nothing too severe, luckily. And um, that's what it was explained to me um, when the doctor gave me the option of the core blood versus uh, an adult donor. An adult donor. Because you would have cool. less... Um, complications yeah right? they said with a with a cord blood transplant um, usually you have less um, GVH afterwards mm-hmm. uh, for the rest of your life versus other you know mm-hmm. and you know I, I can give my own testimony that that does seem like that's, that's the, case. Been the case for you yeah mm-hmm. so um, yeah very fortunate I think all three of us have been very fortunate we have. Um, mm-hmm. like you know, when I first got to City of Hope, and I was there for like four or five months, um, and I was always, you know, going in for various reasons, and I would see other transplant survivors who had extreme GVHD mm-hmm. um, all over their skin and, uh, I don't know, internal organs, and, you know, and they're like five, ten years out. Some yeah. are one, one to two years, and some are like five to ten years, mm-hmm. or, you know, and they, they have, you know, and uh, that scared me. I was like, it is scary because you don't you don't know what's going to happen to you. What no. if you have like this chronic case of GVHD that you have to take meds for for the rest of your life just to, you know, suppress it? Right. Um, and that that's very common for people. Do you guys yeah. at City of Hope ever have to go to the one um, C and see the like GVH specialist? No. Yeah, I used to. I don't have to. I used to. That, that's the only doctor I see. They specialize oh, really? in GVH. Yeah. You still have to go to them. <clears throat> yeah, that's the only. Just Doctor to monitor it, basically? Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. Yeah. So I they don't. just, they look at, like, inside my mouth. They look at, mm-hmm. like, my armpits. Just see if anything, anything new shows happening. up. Yeah. Interesting. But I had all of that, too, right after my transplant. The yeah. mouth sores, mm-hmm. the, um, just everything. The, the lungs and the... Yeah. Because, basically, it's all, all the organs in your body are, um, you know potential to be affected yeah by oh yeah absolutely like anywhere it could happen anywhere in your body well like i was eye. most scared of the acute because that acute stuff happens in the first year mm-hmm. post-transplant right and so and that's really the time where if it's gonna get bad and i mean you, your potential of not surviving it can it's be within, high yeah you know and that was what was really scary for me um and worrying uh, was you know the any kind of potential issue I remember I had to go back in the hospital for stomach um, issues and I was really worried I was like oh god and it was like uh, two months after a transplant and I was I was thinking oh my gosh this is where it's starting you know but fortunately 
it, it was not that. It was actually, um, I ate Japanese curry and it was too spicy. The <laughs> 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 gastroenterologist was like, no, you're fine. Stop yeah, eating spicy food. Always <laughs> asking, like, they always ask me, you have stomach problems, can you eat spicy foods? I'm like, yeah. They're like, all right. That's yeah. one question they always ask me for some reason. Yeah, because it's your stomach gets pretty stripped, and then, you know, it can that can be where a lot of the common yeah. GVH is, and, and you know, but yeah, I had GVH in the gut for like over a year. Oof. For so. me, I think it's hard to tell for me, too, if I did, because I always had stomach issues even when I was younger. Yeah. So. And like you just having keep like diarrhea all the time. Spicy food. <laughs> yeah, I love spicy food. I don't learn. I just deal with it. That's, that's like my brother. It's the same way. I'm like, stop eating that and you won't be on the toilet for six hours of the day. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. 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 But yeah, There's yeah. No bueno. I know. Um was there any, are there any other terms that you guys feel like you, you know, kept coming up for you that was what medication did you take afterwards? Oh my god, I can't go through the list. Did you, did you try to take cyclosporine? No, I took... I did. Yeah, you had cyclosporine. Right. That's the, cyclosporine and Bactrim were the only two that I had. I can remember because I had to take those forever. I did, I took cyclosporine in the very beginning. Uh huh. But I think it that's didn't a common medication for, for any kind of transplant. I think because it's an anti. Well, it's chemo based it's, though. Cyclosporin is? Mm hmm. It's a what? It's chemo based. Oh, is it? Uh huh. At least that's what they told me. Oh, I didn't know that. I just remember. Well, that other... would make sense because if it's an immunosuppression, chemo is it's a, yeah. is an immunosuppression. Mm -hmm. So that, that the drug sense. that you're taking yeah. post transplant, there's a lot of immunosuppressants. Mm -hmm. where it suppresses your, suppressing your, your own your immune, original system. Yeah, yeah. immune system. So your that white your blood donor cell. cells have a chance to. Gross. That makes sense, yeah. So yeah. there's yeah. not as much graft yeah. versus host. I just remember those stupid pills. <clears throat> they smelled like fucking skunk. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I did. Like, so um, whenever I smell skunk, it just reminds me of those little gray, blue huh. pills that I had to take <laughs> all the fucking time. Yeah. You know what, what kind of pills I got when I was in the hospital? I, I got a Marinol. What's, What's that? that? Which is a hospital-grade marijuana pills no way yeah oh. it's the little, they these gave little, you that? little green pills yeah all the hospital if, if you just ask for it they offer it oh i didn't but uh after taking it it's very very low dose but it's for it. pain right is that for pain uh it's it's for an array of symptoms oh. um for different reasons uh -huh. but they do have these little green pills called marinol so that's so funny that was weird. one of the questions I, I posted don't think, on Instagram. I don't think you guys they have had any that. terms or um, like information you guys want us to talk about. And like medical marijuana was one of them. If you, I, I, I didn't take it. Yeah. That was, they did no, not I don't give think me they that had, option. They didn't have marinol back. Uh, yeah. When, yeah. My yeah. doctor wasn't into that kind of. Uh, no, yeah, my doctor, my doctor wasn't into it either. But you can request. <laughs> it. But you can request it. <laughs> Nevertheless, you can request it. So yeah, there no, you go. If anyone's uh, going through it, request. That was the one of the Alex, first things I asked. When what's I, it called? Marinol. Mar 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 Marinol. M. M. A. R. So if anyone out there is going through treatment, ask your doctor for that. Yeah. According to Doctor Alex. Yeah, yeah, Doctor Doctor Alex. Doctor Chen. Doctor Chen. Doctor Green But that could be another topic another episode yeah medication or like medical 
marijuana and CBD and oh, all yeah. that stuff. That we can yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Uh, that, I think that goes along with like holistic um, treatments. And, yeah. and I believe holistic and medical scientific treatments mm-hmm. go hand in hand. Um, yeah, you can I, combine. I, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely ways of going the natural way of mm-hmm. uh, of uh, your body to try to yeah. combat combat this yeah. terrible. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of trial and error with some of that. Just have yeah. to figure out what works. Yeah, but terminology wise, man, I there's like there's a lot. There's, there's a, a lot. lot. There's a I lot. think we just yeah. the we barely. The main takeaway I think is if you have questions or you don't understand something. You should ask your doctor because a lot of times doctors and nurses and people who live it day to day think, well, oh, you, of course you would know that. You know means, what this is. You know? yeah. So don't ever hesitate to ask because you're not, you didn't go to med school. <laughs> yeah. And what you said you earlier know? in the beginning, like ha- go, having someone go with you. Yeah. Having someone go with you to set just, of ears and brain. And to, a lot of times those people... Most of the questions that got asked in my appointments leading up to transplant were always from Mark or my brother mm-hmm. or my aunt, you know? Like, it was rarely me asking the questions. Right. It was all the other, everyone else saying, okay, wait, 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 what does that mean? Or uh-huh. what percentage of, you know, do you think this is going to happen? Or, you know, blah, blah, blah. So mm-hmm. I feel as though having someone else to help you ask those questions is, it takes the pressure off of you because it, a lot of times you're like, oh my God, what, what is going to happen to me? Yeah. And you get in your own little world, you know? So I yeah. definitely agree with that. My mom didn't <clears throat> understand any of the terminology very much, and she still doesn't till this day. And mm-hmm. um, I didn't very much either, because these medical terminology was just way over my head when I first got uh, diagnosed. So uh, when I got to City of Hope and I met my doctors there I really didn't even try to learn any of the terminology or the medications I just uh, put all my faith in my doctor um, and my doctors gave me that that feeling right to be able to give Trust them yeah and I think that's very important to find a doctor because I hear this a lot from new patients old patients or caregivers about you know the person that's getting care of they they don't like the doctors or they don't get oh. along with them or um, you should I, always huge. feel like yeah. you have a care yeah. team that is like in your corner right yeah. I no, never I mean, felt otherwise yeah no I I had a hundred percent hundred and ten percent me too trust faith. and faith in yeah. my doctor and yeah. I, I didn't even try to whatever my doctor yeah. said I was like okay I gotcha yeah. mm-hmm. so that's very important yeah absolutely um, not everybody absolutely has that, you know. and City of Hope has just you know, amazing. Un- yeah, so don't unreal. be afraid to switch hospitals or no. You, if you don't like someone, you should be changing that. Yeah. So you have to be your own advocate. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yep. Yeah. Nobody can stop you from getting a second opinion or no. going somewhere else or or gravitating to to a, a doctor or a hospital that you're comfortable. with. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I I was definitely I definitely liked. Um, knowing everything like knowing terminology medications what does that do what's this going to do what's that what's that for um to the point where i had nurses coming in and i would say stuff and they're like were you a nurse I'm like 
but I'm really good. <laughs> you are really good. I, I know my stuff. They're like, wow. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, well, it, you know, different strokes for different Exactly. Folks. Whatever you know. works for you is what needs to, you got to stick with, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> All right. So, um, and before we end too, I want to thank everyone that's been listening. We've got oh my like gosh, a lot yeah, of like, so exciting. Yeah, a lot of good feedback. Well, and we did this episode based on someone's feedback yeah. and requests. So mm-hmm. if there are things like that that you that people yeah. want to hear, any topics, anything, yeah, we're open. Yeah, we definitely. love it. It's so great. Yeah, so good, good them. call. Yeah. Way to thank our listeners. Yeah, yeah I, I'm I like always that. yeah yeah I'm always thinking about a podcast and I, I just um, yeah I, I come back to just being how grateful and thankful I am to be here yeah. mm-hmm. to be alive to sit share here to share this information yeah. and, totally yeah. and um, yeah and to have people actually listen and it's like in the clips I just posted of um, of us we said like you know this experience is like bittersweet. It sucks going through, but now helping people like yeah, we wouldn't have done this if we haven't gone through it. Hundred percent. Yeah. So. Yeah. I I, I like the um, the quote that Chrissy gave one time. Um, what like, did I say? I think he said. Uh, Quoting me. It's the it's the it's the club nobody wants to join. Or oh. Something. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's the, the club nobody wants to be in. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, I think it is. that's what it is, you know, being it's a club uh, you don't ask to join, but you know, once you're in it, it's like, all right. Yeah. I'll find that clip and I'll make a little <laughs> snippet for you. Cool. Sweet. <laughs> all right. Is that it? Yeah.